Loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm your host, Cheryl Espinosa-Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, I'm welcoming back Scott Stabile. Scott's the author of Enough As You Are and Big Love, The Power of Living with a Wide Open Heart. He's a passionate love advocate who believes there is no force more powerful than love to create real connection and healing in our world. Scott guides transformational breathwork journeys and leads personal empowerment workshops internationally. His inspirational posts have attracted a huge and devoted social media following, including more than 350,000 Facebook fans. And for more info, you can go see him at scottstabile.com. It's S-T-A-B-I-L-E.com. Or he's got a newsletter. Um, you can look up Scott Stabile um, at Substack. Welcome, Scott. Thank you. It's nice to be back with you, Cheryl. It really is. I We uh, spent an hour together when Big Love came out, and yeah. um, it was a wonderful hour. And I love having guests back because the ways in which loss impacts us continue to evolve and grow, don't they? Yeah. So I get to see where it went after our first uh, encounter, which was about a memoir that if I had to sum it up in a sentence, it was kind of most primarily from my grief perspective, healing from the death of your parents when you were young and, um, you know, in a, in a terrible way by murder. And, uh, I have to say, I quote you a lot to people who come to see me um, to heal from a loss that happened a long time ago mm. and coming to me because they need help to work it through. I, I often quote you that you weren't ready at 14, right? Mm. And yeah, that you absolutely. had to wait till you were ready. And and even if it's not an age-related thing, sometimes people just aren't ready, are they? <laughs> Absolutely, especially with grief, right? Because it's not predictable. <laughs> it's <laughs> a, it's a wild roller coaster of a ride. You know, I, I have a dear friend who's been grieving for the past couple months and was talking with her the other day and she was speaking to that reality that it's just, it blindsides her. And then she thinks she's okay. And then she gets blindsided again. And then she's angry. And then she's, you know, heartbroken and all the things that we all know are a part of grief. So um, I, and even to say ready or not ready, it's not even a choice. If it's happened and you're grieving, you're, you're just going through it. Yes, unless you're doing a, a really gargantuan job of trying to avoid it. Which right. Which we know can happen, you know, a lot of absolutely a lot of addiction. I think, you know, there's the physical part of it. I don't want, ever want to ignore that, but there's the grief part of it too, the traumas that can be faced. Don't you think? Sure, absolutely. I yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was going to comment um, on addiction, just seeing the the degree to which if the if our phones have shown me anything, it's the degree to which we're all susceptible to addiction. Again, without discounting that some of us are more physically biologically susceptible perhaps in different ways but the the temptation of addiction is there for all of us sure and it's and it's obviously a matter of of balance and all the rest of it um but recognizing when it's time to dive into the feelings that's what we're really uh that's our starting point but then i'd say where you've gone from there is someplace i resonate so deeply with um the title of your book enough as you are which is what brought you back to the show um the idea that what helps in all areas is self-love and self-acceptance mm -hmm. both in terms of the inside experience and also the world uh, I was interested you divided it, you, me, and us, that mm -hmm. there are all those aspects. So could you talk a little bit about how you came to write this book, which is quite different because it's it's just a, um, you know, a post a day almost or a post a page um, that people can grapple with. Uh, I would say I, I love that kind of book for grief because people can't handle that much sometimes. But could you talk about what brought you to write it? Sure. Well, it is, as you're saying, it's a collection of short prose and poetry. So the pieces are, they tend to be shorter and each page stands on its own. And it's, it's a collection of writing that I've I have worked on over many years and have shared many of the pieces along the way through social media and then paired them with new pieces. And, and what I found is, I, I mean, I, I write a lot about love. I mean, as the essence of what my work is rooted in love. And then when I was looking at a lot of the pieces that I felt most compelled to share, it's so much of what I've been working with and teaching and speaking about and writing about is is self-love focused because i think it is so critically important and foundational to how we show up for everyone and everything in our lives like the relationship we build with ourselves is it informs everything and and if you bring awareness to your life and how you're showing up in the world and and connect that back to how you're showing up for yourself and what you believe about yourself and how much compassion and forgiveness you're shining upon yourself you're likely to see a direct correlation between that relationship that you have with yourself and how you're relating to others not only in your immediate world but in the world in general and so i i just you know, I, I'm a big fan of cheerleading people and reminding them that they are enough as they are reminding them that their worth is inherent. It is not predicated on achievement or looks or success or your family, anything. All of those things are beautiful if they add meaning to your life and they have zero to do with your worth. And I think when we can really come to understand that we are worthy as we are simply for being born and when we can really rest in that sense of self-worth it changes everything about our life and our experience you know people listen to my show years and years after it happens but uh it's really hard to leave out circumstance of the moment and um in my mind you're a great example as a person of 
um, undergoing an event that could have made you harsh and bitter mm-hmm. and hateful, but you went the other way to compassion. You went to trying to um, love yourself and other people, regardless of what they do, um, which is, uh, of course, a big challenge when something so big damages your life. Um yeah you know, your parents' loss of life and the impact on your life, you could have gone the other way. Sure. So in the context, I guess, of what's going on in the world right now, particularly in uh, Israel and Gaza, I think about that. Mm -hmm. Like there are people that are working so hard for peace and people that are working so hard for war. (laughs) It's pretty heartbreaking, isn't it? Extraordinarily so, and that is that is one of uh, there are so many things in this reality that that are heartbreaking and devastating. And where I where I am coming to with that truth, Cheryl, is I I continue to ask myself like whether or not I see the world as flourishing or imploding. Mm. Who do I want to be in it? How do I want to stand in it? And when I get really clear and really honest with myself, the answer is always the same. I want to be someone who is standing in love, who is speaking for love, who is acknowledging what I deeply believe to be true, which is that no healing gets created unless love is involved. And when I'm saying love, I, I, I see that as an umbrella energy for forgiveness and compassion and kindness. Um, and there are many change agents uh, on this planet as we see anger is an extraordinarily powerful change agent and a necessary one i believe and anger alone will not create healing it's not possible anger alone will create change and we see that every day in a host of ways but it will create a change that ends up looking a lot like the change we wanted to extract ourselves from unless you can support that anger with compassion and love unless we are committed to that foundationally i don't see how we heal i just don't i don't i don't see it so for me i know that i believe that if i have a purpose here and look our purpose can change and we don't have to know our purpose necessarily like i don't believe i don't mandate that in you know and at the same time what i feel most called to do is to be a voice for love and i feel most in alignment with source with the energy that created everything most in alignment with my heart when i am speaking for love and so that is a lane i feel really at home in and what i'm going to continue to stay in and what i've seen and this has been a a very challenging journey in many ways. It was challenging during the vaccine conversation that everyone hated each other for. It was challenging during the Trump years that everyone hated each other for. It's just like one new thing. It's this, not this, ended as far as I can tell either. No, no, it's all it's all happening. And then and then Gaza and Israel has stoked all of this. Um, a hatred and dehumanization again, coming from every which way, and I I know that that the only sort of organizations, the only sort of tribes, the only sort of communities that I can 
participate in are ones that foundationally stay committed to love as a healer and don't get lost in dehumanization, even of those who are dehumanizing. And that is a very deep and difficult practice. Look, I am a gay man. I I know what it is like to be dehumanized. And mm -hmm. I know what it's like to have people hate me and want me dead and call me a whole host of names. And and I also know what it's like. I know what it's like to be very angry and hateful in response. And I also know what it's like to stay connected to my heart and to understand that that these two are people who are not in loving relationship with themselves because people who are in loving relationship with themselves do not act that way. They do not say these things. They, That's right. So if I can hold my heart open to that, at the very least, it allows me to connect with their humanity and it allows me within myself to maintain a more peaceful resonance in my being. And I'm not always there. I don't want to pretend that I'm always living right. in this harmonious, it's peaceful, inspirational, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's also, but I also do live into that it, enough to know what it feels like in my being and, and what it, how it changes what's happening inside of me, how it creates more peace, more compassion. And I'm, I'm addicted to that. If we talk, that's something I am happily addicted to. There, there is um, a thing I say quite, quite often to clients, to anyone I encounter, maybe on the show, um, which is I can love anyone, sometimes at a great distance. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. If I can't love a person, I need more space. <laughs> and that is loving yourself. That's self-love in action. That at a great distance is is a willingness to to say like that is not a relationship I can have right. in my immediacy. Yeah, and that's beautiful. But I'm and I'm also thinking about just um, what complicates grief for people. Mm -hmm. It is usually self criticism. Yeah. Um, you're going to think I'm crazy. I don't know why I'm feeling this way. Um, I should be over this by now. Just an, a ton of things that are not self-loving because, of course, grief contains all of it. And it's messy and it's kind of a stormy sea. Um, we wouldn't get an argument. We might not like the storm, but we don't doubt it's right to be. Right. If, we're, if we're on a ship and there's a storm, there's just a storm, right? But we do that to ourselves so vehemently and with such vigor. Um, so that's part of what I I was thinking about as I read your book. Um, yeah, I, you're so right with what you're saying and, and what we can apply that to everything because what we're, I, I feel like so much of the suffering that we experience in our lives, a lot of it is coming less from what we're experiencing and more from how we're judging what we're experiencing, which isn't to say that when we're grieving, we're not experiencing something incredibly hard and difficult. It just becomes, it becomes a new level of suffering when we're doing what you were just speaking to, which is condemning ourselves for not being over it soon enough or, or doing it the wrong way. And we're doing this with ourselves in all areas of life. 
We're doing it around our health. We're doing it around our looks. We're doing it around our work. We're doing it around our creativity. We're doing it everywhere. Instead of just being with our humanity and allowing for however it is we're showing up in the moment to be okay and enough, our, we have these minds hell-bent on taking us down this path of self-abuse. And one of the great gifts for me in practices is just really learning to witness my mind without internalizing all of the thoughts or believing even most of them, because so much of the communication from our minds, it's not true. Yes, there was there was actually one of your pages in your book that directly spoke to that. You know, uh, you you would quote what your mind says to you and say, I, I don't believe it, but I love it anyway. <laughs> right, because why go to war with any part of ourselves, especially our minds? Our minds, they'll never wave the white flag. They're always ready for battle. So and busy. so part... Yeah, part of the practice of self-love for me has just been to recognize it is within my power to create friendship with all aspects of who I am, with with my grief and the way I grieve, with every aspect of who I am. And when I go to war with any part of who I am, I, all I do is create more war, more suffering, more anxiety, more fear. We're both doing, I believe, our, the center of both of our work goes in the same direction right but sure. um, but we can't bottle it you yeah. know people have to be prepared to um to practice it because i yeah. think i think that um accepting all parts of yourself is a very hard practice absolutely um, i i don't even think people consider it though right i don't even think people are considering accepting all parts of themselves as something that could be real or as something they should even consider doing. So what happens when we start considering it and we bring to that consideration a willingness to play in that arena and a curiosity? What would that look like? Right? To try anyway. We're going to go to a break and of course we'll come back and talk about that trying a little more on the other end. Listeners, you can find links to my website and social media at the Good Grief pages at Voice America. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Twitter slash X, LinkedIn, etc. And to find Scott Stabile, you can go to scottstabile.com or check out his newsletter at scottstabile.substack.com. Be back soon. Follow Voice America at facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. This is Good Grief host Cheryl Jones. Whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss, or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring BetterHelp. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to betterhelp.com goodgrief. That's betterhelp.com com slash good grief and receive a 10% discount for the first month. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. 
Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Resiliency is the human capacity to lean into individual and collective strengths with compassion and grit when faced with the challenges of lived experience. Join host Elaine miller Karras for Resiliency Within, a program of hope and healing designed to inspire you to integrate wellness into your life, your family, and your community. In challenging times, you'll want to tune in every week. Resiliency Within can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. I'm your host, Cheryl Espinosa-Jones, and I've been talking with Scott Stabile about his new release, Enough As You Are. Scott, I thought I'd start this this segment with um, something that stood out from your book so much that I put in, in my script with uh, all in capitals. <laughs> and this is it. And it relates to what we were just talking about. And then my sorrow whispered to me, I am not here to crush you. I have not come for your hope. I only want you to feel the deep pain of this world so you will love everyone in it that much more. That is a direction, isn't it, that grief goes um, towards empathy and compassion. Um, It just doesn't always go that way. Or sometimes it goes that way in part, but not in whole. Sure. And, and, and for me, Cheryl, so much of it is about what am I making myself available to? What am I opening myself up to um, experiencing, right? Like I, I believe that grief and sadness is a, it's a home base of compassion. Like when those, those of us, and that's virtually everyone, probably everyone listening who have been through something traumatic, who are grieving or have grieved in some way, we we are able to show up for others should we choose to with much more empathy and much more compassion and that for me truly is one of the great gifts of having gone through something so heartbreaking or so traumatic we we'd never choose it but we can appreciate what what's come out of it um when it does huh um absolutely i would certainly not choose my wife to die why would I do that? That would be crazy. But I do very much value what came about as a result. Um, for me, I think a lot about the period of my, right after she died. And I was not in a fight with anything. It just was rolling through me. And I was like, I welcome you. I welcome you. Felt like an honoring. That was because of a decade of preparation. Mm-hmm. So we cannot be prepared, but it turned out I, when it happened, I was, right? And I wonder, um, it feels as if people get, get chewed up to learn that my, my getting chewed up was earlier in the decade, you know, Uh, when I was, when I was trying to grapple with it all. 
have you encountered people who without a significant event can really deeply um, take on the work of complete self-acceptance? What do you think? Or does it is it usually yeah. motivated in your experience by, you know, I'm a therapist, so of course, uh, the people who come to me right. are struggling with something automatically. But and you're, I, I have a similar experience. I would say the people who who I, I'm trying to think in my head: Do I know anyone who hasn't been through something and who shows up for my workshops? Like at, at this point, everyone has been through something you know, has experienced trauma. And, I, and I, I also believe, Cheryl, honestly, to just make it through childhood, no matter what your childhood was like, and to have been conditioned in such a way and to have to, to grapple with how you're being told to be and to act and what you're supposed to say and whom, whom you're supposed to love and all of these things and to figure out that you, there's no way in the world to align with any of it is a, an extremely traumatic experience that we're all dealing with. Like finding our way to truth, finding our way to authenticity ma mandates looking at the places inside of us that are in some way operating from falseness and conditioning. Uh, you're that's reminding me of something which um, uh, two very renowned people used to do anti-racism workshops where around where I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. And they would do this thing where um, they would invite people from certain groups. Everyone started on one side of the, the room and then they would name groups of oppression and go to the other side of the room, um, African-Americans, Hispanic people, gay people, you know, and mm -hmm. and um, there would be a certain number left who didn't fit any of their, their categories that they'd already mentioned. And then they'd say, if anyone in the room has been a child, please move to the end. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because they are an oppressed, we can't say a minority necessarily. I guess they're a minority numerically, but um, nobody thinks about childhood as an oppressive condition more for some people than others. But of course it is, especially in this society where we're being socialized to not have feelings, to, exactly. uh, to behave, to, you know, all these, we're not in an open field, you know, running around with the horses. <laughs> so. Yeah. I'm completely with you on that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I'll have something in there that that we can learn to accept better. But I wanted to ask you, um, I think I know what you might say, but accepting it all, I find that sometimes people in my world don't differentiate between accepting it all and how you might then act or speak. That there's some kind of... Um, uh, Oh, if I accept it, I get to do anything, right? Oh, sure, sure, sure. I understand what so, you're saying. So what, how do you grapple with that for yourself? Um, I, I, I think you'd agree. I think you'd believe, and I think I've read in your book, um, you think that doing it inside then leads to better action. But of course, some people here, um, you know, love your anger or love your whatever it is mm -hmm. and think, Yay, carte blanche. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I think that 
for me, when you're really, when you're really working with the energy of love, it's a very different invitation. Like there's not going to be an invitation to lash out at others, even when you're going through your own pain. Like, I I think there's a, a big difference between explanation and justification. So if I'm engaged with someone who's going through something and they're being a real jerk or whatever, I understand why I get it, right? And I don't think that that justifies their behavior. I don't think my behavior my bad behavior is justified by what I've gone through, even if it can be explained by it. So yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't give carte blanche. To- <laughs> that's, that's an important thing because, um, uh, you know, I, my wiring is sort of empathic, but that used to be an excuse not to call people on stuff inside yes. of me. Right. Sure. Well, I sure. understand why they would do that. So I have nothing I'm allowed to say about it. Right. Sure. That's the other. And I have, I'm averse to conflict, so that would be a reason why I wouldn't <laughs> say. <laughs> yeah. well, most people like us are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think that. Look, I I really, with the people we're closest to in our lives, I think it's it is such a gift to have a friend who is willing to call me on my stuff and who is able to do so in a loving way. You know, if, if who can, who can say, Hey, I know you're going through a hard time. I know you're struggling right now. And the way you've been treating me just isn't okay. You, you know, know you, you captured that so beautifully in one of your pages. I cherish the friends who are willing to let me know when I'm acting like an asshole and who know how to do so with love. <laughs> Right? <laughs> I do cherish those friends. I mean, for me, that is real friendship. It's it is a willingness to say, hey, you're off the rails a bit here. <laughs> like how, how you doing? Because how you're showing up does not my heart, please stop, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the the deeper a person dives, the the clearer that becomes. Um, but I'm also aware that, you know, people um read what I do or you do differently, depending on um, where in that exploration they are. Uh, You know, the deepest level of loving every part of you is kind of internal. And then behavior is something very separate, isn't it? Um, But it takes a while to get there. It did for me anyway. Sure. But it definitely informs behavior how what that internal work is is always going to inform your behavior i think and and you're likely to see that when you start bringing more awareness to how you're relating to yourself and how you're showing up you're going to see a correlation if in my experience it's the only possibility there's such a direct correlation in general to how i feel about myself and how i'm showing up for people in my life and you know so and and what's what's exciting about that for me is understanding that there we're always given a new moment right and it's always what we do from this moment on that's going to matter the most in our lives and is going to, to affect the trajectory of our lives so even if you've been in a state of self-loathing for two decades it's like okay I'm not going to dismiss that. Fine. And here we are right now. Do, are and you willing maybe, to maybe shift? We say I've given that one a good try. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Let's try something it's else. It's not gotten me anywhere. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, I'm done and, trying that. 
And Cheryl, even that doesn't have to come from a place of shame. Like we don't have to beat ourselves up while we're acknowledging it. Like for me, what's so beautiful about the energy of, of love and self-love is that even for me, loving myself fully, as I think we all want to do, or accepting myself fully, as I think we all want to do, is holding space to love and accept the parts of me that can't love and accept all of myself fully. Because there are parts inside that are like, no, I'm not willing to. And can I give grace to those parts too, and to understand that that too is entirely human. It, it, it is entirely human if there is a part of you that is deeply committed to holding on to your grief in a way that you know is not opening you up to a more peaceful life. Can you hold space for that part too, as much as, as you hold space for the part of you that is making choices that are helping you to move forward in ways that are creating more connection and more possibilities in your life? That's love. Love for me is not saying no to any of it. Love is inviting all of who I am to the table, even the parts I don't like. And there are parts I don't like. And I don't, I don't expect to ever really like my envy or really like my jealousy. Those are very, uncomfortable aspects of my personality to deal with, but I'm absolutely committed to loving them. Like you two are welcome here. Well, the other thing I notice um, in myself and in, in my work is that um, if you're curious enough, the, the times when you go to those places have a lot to say. Yes. Um, yes. I mean, there there's reasons, right? Uh, Yes. I, I'm absolutely sure you don't live in jealousy and envy all the time. Um, I don't live in my, you know, the 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 uh, parts of me I consider negative very often. But when I do, there's something going on that I need to be curious about. Otherwise, it's not going to teach me anything. It's just going to be uncomfortable and icky. I have to pay attention. Well, yes. I would be envious of this person. Usually that around envy for me, it leads to, oh, I want something they have. Mm -hmm. Can I get it? Or do I not want it so much that it matters? Right? I, Absolutely. <laughs> and what do I really want? What do yeah, I want? Yeah. And what, what, how can I create that in my own way, in my own life, if it's that important to me? And is it that important to me? Like the that Sometimes these are the questions. No, it's just a, it's yeah. just a, uh, agreed or you know just some kind of ooh that looks great, but it doesn't look that great that I would want to change my life for it, right? So exactly, exactly. <laughs> I love that you're bringing up the word curiosity because that's the energy of curiosity has been a big thing I've been playing with for the past handful of years. It's like. It is so easy to feel heavy about our lived experience and that's okay and that's human and and I'm not about denying anything but I I am about being more expansive in what I'm available to experiencing no matter what the circumstance is and for me curiosity is an invitation into that expansion it's like when my mind is getting just insane and, and self-abusive as all of our minds do. What I'm playing with these days is looking at it and instead of internalizing 
all the fiction it's creating, just being like, whoa, like bringing this like nonchalant curiosity to like, whoa, look at my mind right now. That's super interesting. And what that does energetically is it takes you out of this sense of shame and self-loathing that we get so easily mired in. And it opens you up to just, wow, this is how human minds are. All human minds are doing some version of this. And isn't that fascinating? And that interrupts that cycle of self-loathing. And it, it, it opens you up to something different, to a different exploration or a different possibility in the moment. I'm thinking of, of uh, Stephen Levine. I spent a lot of time with him when my wife was sick. And it's a blessing of my life that that's the truth because I learned a lot from him. But he would talk about, okay, just just be curious, you know, just sit in observation, like during his meditation cycle. Yeah. And you might be surprised. You might get so curious about it that when it passes, you go, wait, come back. I was watching you, you know. Yeah. And that seemed ridiculous at first, but it was absolutely true. Yeah. That, that uh, a neutral observer of any emotional state actually led to it passing right through and it didn't even stay around long enough to ask these curious questions you and I are talking about. It's kind of like, oh, wait, it's gone, you know, kind of thing. Um, it's a gorgeous practice to bear witness. And it's not the easiest thing to do, especially in the beginning. But the more you practice it, the more you, the metaphor I love for this the most, I don't know who said it first, was become the sky and let your thoughts be the weather. Because beyond all the weather, no matter how inclement it is, the sky is expansive and quiet. It's holding it all. And it is within our power to reflect on our thoughts that way. Let all the thoughts just be the weather, but maintain the energy of the sky. Be the, be the audience member and let your thoughts be on the screen in front of you. And the peace that that creates in our being is, it's, it's indescribable. It's it's so beautiful and it's so possible. And again, this is something that we can play with. And the more we play with it, the more likely we are to play with it because we're going to feel how much more peaceful we tend to feel in that space. I feel we're referring to the subtext. And after this next break, I want to come back and talk about it, which is that in in our culture, U.S. culture, I don't know if it's the same in other Western culture, I think to a degree, yes, we think we are our thoughts. Right. We think we are our thoughts. Therefore, if we have bad thoughts, we're bad. Right. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm I'm encountering people who who um, say I don't like myself anymore when they're having a big emotional experience mm -hmm. or a, a loss of memory. Or I don't like myself as if the mind is the self. The yeah. self, right? Let's come back and talk about the mind and the self. If you'd be open, Ooh. listeners, you can. Again, find me at Voice America at the Good Page uh, to please engage with me on social media. I'd love to hear what you think of the show, what you'd like more of, less of, whatever you'd like to say. I'd like to hear it. And to find Scott Stabile, you can go to scottstabile.com or scottstabile.substack.com. Be back soon. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. This is Good Grief host Cheryl Jones. Whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss, or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. 
That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring BetterHelp. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to betterhelp.com slash goodgrief. That's betterhelp.com slash goodgrief and receive a 10% discount for the first month. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins looks at how natural healing and biological dentistry can safely and effectively treat most health problems. You'll hear about the innovations in both traditional and alternative medicine therapies with doctors and dentists, along with discussions with chiropractors, medical experts, homeopaths, naturopaths, and energetic healers. It's great to have all the best information in one place. And Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins brings it all together. Listen Thursdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. I've been talking with Scott Stabile about his new release, Enough As You Are, a beautiful book, and and one you can just kind of... Um, open the page and read whatever's there. It's all, I can imagine people doing a bit of divination with the book. Mm-hmm. Um, every page has something to offer and you don't have to read it in order at all. Um, so before the break, Scott, I was bringing up uh, a desire to talk about how much we believe our mind, what we're thinking is actually the sum total of who we are and how much yeah. trouble that that gets us into. Um, I think that's really a part of what you're trying to address. Because if you accept whatever's in your mind, there's someone observing who is not that, right? (laughs) There's got to be a part of you saying, wow, my mind is doing such interesting things. (laughs) You know, what's going on there? And, you know, that curiosity thing. But how do you put that together for yourself and for other people that you work with? How do you differentiate that? I mean, for me, it's just about really recognizing the mind, like any other part of who we are, is 
is not representative of the whole of who we are in the, in the same way that I'm waving my hand at you right now. That's just one thing my hand does. It doesn't define me. It's just a hand doing what hands do. My mind in its fear-based thinking and insecurity, as well as all the imaginative stuff that minds can do, but all of the stuff that creates a lot of misery for us is just doing what every mind on the planet does to some degree. And it's only when we define ourselves by our thoughts and believe that we are our thoughts that we tend to create a whole lot of suffering for ourselves. But if we can start to, to just acknowledge, my thoughts are just thoughts, they're not me. And if you start to really pay attention to your thoughts, you're going to see how many of them aren't even true to begin with, how many of the things our minds are communicating to us about ourselves and others that aren't true. I mean, Byron Katie has a great practice, the spiritual teacher in the first two, she asks four questions. The first question to a thought that's creating any sort of suffering is, is this true? And the second question is, can you be absolutely certain that this <laughs> is true? And I, I never even make it to the next questions because it's like, no, it's, I can't be certain. I can't be certain that this is true. And if, if you can, if you can acknowledge that, you can become less inclined to tether yourself to this thought that is creating for you so much misery or so much self-loathing, right? If you, if you have a thought that's like, everybody hates me, can you be absolutely certain that that's true? No, you can't, right? And then suddenly- Everybody, for one thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can release yourself then from that tether to that thought. And and the more we do that, the more the more we become the witness instead of the thought, the easier it becomes to play with that and the more detached we become from the neuroses of our minds. And then suddenly we're just watching, we're watching the movie that our mind is playing out as, you know, you and I are having this conversation. There's some part of my mind that's like, are you making sense? Are you being eloquent enough? Are, are people going to like what you're saying? It's small. I mean, I'm, 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 oh, no, I hadn't thought of that one time. Should I be yeah. thinking of that? No. And the truth is I'm not really in that space. But if I gave energy to my mind right now, that is what my mind is doing with sound intelligent, sound eloquent, sound spiritual enough, right? And it's like, we do not have to give our energy to these thoughts. And that sounds like a very big thing. Like, well, how do you propose doing that? I propose by first acknowledging the possibility of doing it and playing with it in your life. Oh, here I am again, internalizing these thoughts as truth. I'm going to interrupt that pattern right now and offer myself a different relationship to them. I'm going to bear witness without becoming them and just see what that creates. See what happens. You were saying during the break, you had an experience you wanted to share. And I feel as if this leads right to these experiences we have that are not linear. Uh, yeah. And I know this is going to be a nonlinear experience. Absolutely. Uh, and it scares people. And it comes along with not thinking our thoughts are reality. It means there's a lot more to reality. Exactly. Yes. Uh, and, and a lot of people are very threatened by that. I don't know what, what finite reality is, but it doesn't bother me anymore. Uh, you know, the truth, like what happens when we die? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I know no that one does. bothered by not knowing, right? Exactly. So, 
So uh, you and I both live in a don't know kind of place a little more. So share your experience, because I feel that ties in with what we're talking about. Sure. Well, I guide this transformational breathwork practice. And about two years ago, when I was training to become a guide in it, um, you know, we were going through breath work every day, which is essentially for 25 minutes doing a very specific breath to music. And it takes you on a journey and the journey can be extraordinarily wild. It can be hallucinogenic. It can be a whole host of things. So I'll preface this by saying, I have never been someone who I don't, I'm not, I've not tapped into my medium abilities. I, I lost my parents at 14. I'm now 52. I've never had experiences of communicating with them. That hasn't been a part of my reality. In this breathwork session, the first two sessions I did, my mother came to me and was cradling me and so excited that I was finally aware of her. She said, I, we have always been here and you can finally see us. I will always be here. So that those were the two, the first two. The third one, my father came to me. Now I lost him at 14, but when he was alive, I, I really hated my father. That is the word I would use for it as a kid. I felt no love from him, got no attention from him. And it was a really, it created a very big wound in my life, even after his passing. My father came to me in this breathwork session and he was giving me space. He was kind of at, my mother was cradling me. He was at the end of my feet, kind of standing, knowing that I might not be quite as receptive to him. Um, and he said to me, something that for me has, is one of the biggest gifts I've been given in my life. He said, listen, I understand the wound you carry around our relationship when I was embodied. And he said, I want you to know that I am, I, I no longer carry any of my own wounds that I had in my human form. I am in bliss and in joy. And I want you to know that you do not have to wait to die to let go of that wound and to open yourself up to deeper levels of bliss and joy. And I want you also to know as importantly that our relationship does not have to be over. I am here. It will not look the same as when I am embodied in the human form, but I am here and I have always been here and you and I can still connect and relate to each other. And Cheryl, I'll tell you, I was so moved and overwhelmed by that experience that I, this has been almost two years now, I have not been able to connect to that wound in the same way anymore. It's like something in that moment got healed, which doesn't mean there isn't still a part of me that doesn't long for a father figure. It's like there's a, that wound is still alive in me, but it's not connected to my father with the, the the anger and the disappointment, it's not my experience anymore. And so I guess part of my call to share this for those of you who are grieving someone in that relationship was left unhealed or with big wounds and it, and, and it can feel like, well, and now they're dead. There's nothing that can, there's nothing, no healing. <laughs> What's that? I'm stuck now. <laughs> exactly. No, no healing can be created around that. I had a, a lived experience of recognizing, you know what, there's still the potential for healing around it, even with the, the person gone. And for me, that was a really gorgeous gift to receive. 
we can look at the that from the point of view that there is some level of consciousness that remains that talk to you that we can talk about it from that point of view and that what well may be true we can also talk about it from the point of view that your relationship to and with them did not end with their death because you're alive right beautiful and yes and you've continued i i mean i do spend a lot of time with grieving people saying don't end the relationship yeah it's still alive in you what is it you want to say what is it you know what happens next and uh i i have a slight envy of of that kind of direct talking but honestly i'm i am I have a sense of of being with with my wife every day. Yeah. Partly because of the work I do obviously, but but also just it's a presence there, right? Yeah. And and, and you're well, open to it. Completely. And she yeah. helps me work a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. What do I do now? Oh, that, you know, that uh, kind of, uh I don't know if that's woo woo necessarily. You know, you were saying in the break, maybe it's a little too woo-woo. And I said, no, woo-woo is fine. But also, that's not the only way to look at it. Yeah, There's and I'm with you in the, like, I'm really, I've gotten so much more comfortable in not knowing, in not being able to explain things. What is true for me is the experience I went through and the the sense of healing I felt after it. And that's all I need to know, truly. Exactly. It's like, I don't need to know more than that why it happened how exactly it happened and and there's some way that what stood out to me when you were telling the story is that it identified your father as a wounded person yes and and once you see that this person who's so problematic is wounded for me it changes things absolutely it changes things in my perception. Uh, I've thought about that lot, a lot since my mother died because she was more wounded than my father. Mm -hmm. And, and that showed in her life. Right. But she was wounded. It's very obvious to me. Mm -hmm. And I even know something about how and why and all that. So that does liberate you, doesn't it? Oh, another human being who was wounded and it, and it affected things. I'm going to work on my own wounds and not pass them on, hopefully. And apply what you just said to everyone on the planet. Apply them to the politicians you you abhor the most. Apply them to the people on social media angering you the most. Trust that we are all living with wounds. And that expression, hurt people, hurt people, it's, it, it, it's so true. true. Pretty and darn that allows true. us to open our hearts a bit more and at least at least arrive with some compassion. And I think that confronting someone on behavior with compassion as a part of it always always has more impact. <laughs> so if you, if you want to have an impact, that's that's a way to go in that direction. 100%. Scott, it has been so great to spend another hour with you. Um, you too, Cheryl. We shouldn't wait for another book, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you're welcome back whenever you're doing something that, that you think uh, we could talk about. So thanks sure. for being here. Thanks for having me. 
you can find find uh, Scott, as I've said, at scottstabile.com. It's S-T-A-B-I-L-E.com or scottstabile at substack.com. Next week, I'll have Glenn Howman. He wrote a book, A Yellow House in the Mountains, after his parents' deaths to honor them. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Espinosa-Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.